We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today, we get to break down our September breakfast with uh, COTM West Pastor Seth Swindoll. Seth was actually uh, pinch hitting for Lee. Lee was uh, supposed to be our uh, breakfast speaker, but he ended up not being well enough to speak to the group. So uh, I think we've bumped him to it's like October, October, or November, one of those dates. So uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, it was cool to hear from Seth because I haven't gotten to hear too much from from him. I think I've heard from him like one time, and man, it was uh, a very timely message. I know we save that a lot. Uh, and also it's a, it's a full blown brotherhood message. So that's, it's a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about here. So I'm excited to hear kind of his perspective on it. I don't know that he's listened to all the different podcasts that we've had. So I think it's really exciting that, uh, these perspectives that these, um, ideas and, uh, everything that we're talking about just continue to rise to the surface. And, and from my standpoint and Matt, I know your standpoint, uh, these are things that we just, we constantly need to keep in front of us. So Matt, hello. Good to see you again. Welcome to the podcast. Say hello to everybody as usual. Evan. Yes. Great to be here, man. Thank you so much for inviting me once again, back onto the podcast to discuss one of our many breakfast messages. You're right. Uh, it was a classic brotherhood message, uh, something we've been talking about and continue to talk about. And it just continues to show how much it is needed, how much it is important. You know, my wife tells me all the time that you've got to say something like 17 times positive in order for it to get to sink in on anybody. Just a couple things negative. So it's good that we continue to hear this message over and over again from different perspectives, different people. And truthfully, honestly, if God is saying it, then we need to listen until he starts saying something different. Yeah, I think that's a really polite way to say it. I think we're so boneheaded sometimes and stubborn <laughs> that maybe it doesn't need to be said as many times. But, uh, you know, God's patient, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Uh, so, you know, we just have multiple ways for us to hear the same message over and over again. Um, but for us, I believe and I'm hoping that with the the podcast and, and what we're doing, as well as the Brotherhood Breakfast, that this is uh, creating an opportunity for you to to kind of reflect on all of the different speakers that we've had throughout the entire year so far, uh, reflect on the messages. Uh, and the cool thing about the podcast is you can go back and listen to some of the things that uh, have been uh, presented to the group uh, leading up to this. But man, what an awesome uh, message. I'm excited to jump into it. Seth led with who's with me. And I think that's something that we often hear um, in terms of a, uh, what was it like Jerry Maguire? Like, I just want to know who's coming with me, right? Like, you know, you never want to have that moment <laughs> when you're, you're like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm going, I'm going to take a stand. And then you turn around and there's nobody following you. Like that's the worst possible feeling. And uh, <laughs> but the reason that that happens is uh, the reason that happens like where, where people maybe aren't behind you is because they they don't know you. They don't they don't know what you stand for. They may you may they might just be sitting there going back like, wow, that's a pretty bold move. But I, I don't I don't think that I could do that. Um, but, you know, from an inspiration standpoint, from a just a like, a, you know, community standpoint, we want to be in those situations when we're just like, man, I want to know who's got my back. I want to know who's in it with me. And, 
and not going to leave me out by myself. When, when I think about people who are going through adversity and they're going through challenges, or even the times that I've gone through adversity and challenges, or still go through adversity and challenges, man, going through that in community is so much better than going by yourself. And I think that, you know, what Seth's kind of touching on here is that, you know, those, those moments of adversity are going to come and you're going to have that moment of saying, all right, who's with me? And if you don't lay the groundwork now, if you don't start building that brotherhood now, if you don't start building that community now of people that you've invested in that are investing in you, uh, that you're not going to have somebody stand up and say, I'm with you. I'm, I'm your friend. I'm, I got your back. I'm, I'm going to be with you in, in that moment. And that's, I think, one of the main reasons from a brotherhood standpoint, why we do these podcasts and, and why we bring in the speakers that we bring in is that we, we want everybody in the brotherhood. Uh, we want everybody really to have a situation where, you know, no matter what the adversity, no matter what the challenge that comes to them, they have that community around that that's going to support them and walk through that adversity with them. Yeah, that's good. You know, what kept coming to my mind is you said it, and I want to hit on this because if there's one thing we may have not really dug deep into in the area of brotherhood is this, this component. And that is you've got to start developing it before you need it. Mm -hmm. The tough part about that is we don't know we need it until of course we need it. And then it hits and then things go well. And until you train your mind to think this way, until you walk, look at it through God's lens, we don't naturally think that I don't, it's men. Yes, but it's, it's all people, all people tend to, when they tend away in our world, in American Western world, away from groups and towards individuality, our whole side of the globe is built on individuality. So when things are going well, we think, yeah, I'm a self-made man. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I did this on my own. I did it my way. Like Frank Sinatra said, like, those are the things we think that's natural. That's how, that's the lens by which we look through things with our, with our culture. So it's in that time you have to remind yourself, I need people around me. This is the time where I need to start developing it because the, the other challenge about developing it when you are in need, check me on this or maybe help me communicate this, is like if I come to somebody and at that time I'm in need, if they're a Christian brother, they're compelled to help you. They're going to help you. They're going to want to help you. But that doesn't put you on a friendship level. That puts you in a different space where, yes, I'm helping this guy along. It's more of a discipleship teacher mentor level. And you really want a brotherhood where you're seeing eye to eye. You know, Pastor Seth mentioned, hopefully I'm not spoiling a point you have, but I love the point he mentioned when he said King David was smart enough to put people around him that were not impressed mm -hmm. by him. That's a cool statement. And it sounds arrogant, but realistically, we all have situations and circles where we are the quote unquote impressive one. Or if it's not impressive, it's least everybody figures you've got it going. Well, Matt, I know you have it all figured so, out. I'm not always in those situations, but I know definitely, definitely that's you. That's not true, Evan. Man, <laughs> I've been to your circles all the time, bro. Everybody thinks you're impressive. So stop playing humble brag. <laughs> Bro, you're always impressive. That is not even whatever, true. I can't, nobody whatever. on the podcast is thinking that right now. Oh, you're humble so bragging. You Stop it. You're killing me. <laughs> no, it's the truth. 
but for real, like if you've got to develop friends around you when you don't need them, so they see you as who you are. Ah, man, I'm not, I'm not picking the right words, but if you only go to people when you need help, they're only going to see you as mm-hmm. needing help. And maybe this is where, remember, Pastor Seth starts off with all these statements about men. And in, in part of your brain, you're agreeing with it because he's like, eat alone, live alone, yeah. stand on your own two feet. Don't tell people about your problems. They don't care. Like, you know, that's that meme. Um, uh, you see it all the time. I think it's a rogue saying or I, they got it from somebody, maybe Gary Vee, but nobody cares yeah. to work harder. You seen that hit? Yeah. Okay, so that's what he's describing, basically. Nobody cares. We're like, don't tell me about your problems. You know, don't tell me about the pain. I had a coach a buddy all the time. He'd say it. He'd say, don't tell me about the pain. Just show me the baby. <laughs> you know, and he's like, <laughs> uh, I remember thinking, I wonder if he tells his wife that. Like, has he got that kind of guts? I don't know. But that's real. Like, that part of being a man is real. Like, you don't want to be that guy that's always fumbling and always like, oh, woe is me, woe is me. But you also can't be the guy that when things are going bad, you don't tell anybody. So you've got to find the times. Okay, at least this is, was my experience. I God prompted me, hey, things are going well. You need to start developing more friendships with people just based on really proximity, being around them. And then let those friendships develop. And, you know, I'm thinking of one guy specifically. I developed a friendship with him when everything was going well for both of us economy as well he's a small business owner you know everything was going great we developed a good friendship built around the word of god we were helping with another cause we were volunteering like everything we saw with each other now i didn't think of him as a brotherhood brother until the pandemic hit last year and then he's my prayer partner every day while we're believing god for the right moves for our business that would have been a different relationship if I had just come to him out of the blue and said, Hey man, my business is having a tough time. I got to figure this out. Can you pray with me? Would he said yes? Absolutely. Would he have um, prayed with me each day? Most likely, but the same level of like where I'm going down this pit with you would not have been there. Had we not have relationship before. Are you picking up what am I saying? Am I, are you feeling it or is it, no, no, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. You you touched on a, a couple of things that I think are really good, and and one of the things that that, that I know we're going to get to is is some of these things, these qualifiers, if you will, of what what Seth what Seth what with what Seth was saying, is that like, hey, you need to have a god friend to do life with. Like that is right off the bat. You gotta you gotta do that. So I think I think from that premise, it's like, okay, I need to have a god friend. How do I know what's a God friend and how, and how do I know like what's just like an acquaintance, you know, the full spectrum. So I, I think that yeah. that that qualifier that you're saying is right in line with like it, as you're evaluating your your friendships and evaluating your relationships, like, all right, here's ones that I need to press into. Here's ones that like, you know, that this person probably isn't going to be that kind of person. Like he talks about like the parasite friend, like that's a real thing. And, uh, you know, there's, there's people that obviously need help and then there's people that thrive on needing help. And so it's just kind of, you know, using your own discernment and judgment to kind of walk through that because that can be exhausting and you can be in a situation where you've poured into a friend and when you have that situation where you need that help back and they're like, see ya, I didn't sign up for this. And you're just sitting there go, wow, I, I felt like I put the time in. 
uh, I thought I had that person and you just all of a sudden feel betrayed, but it's just, it's not in that person's nature. Uh, so it's, you know, you got to kind of wade through that. So we'll definitely get into that. One of the other things that you were talking about is just as a culture, uh, we are kind of hearing one message like, and I think it was Cameron Hayes that says it, you know, nobody cares, work harder. It's either him or Dave Goggins. But uh, that message is one that from a motivational standpoint, like from a like endurance standpoint, yeah, nobody does care, work harder. I 100% on board with that. Um, Nobody cares that you're running a marathon. Okay. Uh, Nobody cares that you're doing, you know, whatever that you're going to do. Sorry, marathon runners. Um, but the the whole idea behind that is is like yeah you're like you're going to accomplish something but that's not going to develop the relationship much further unless hey I want to train for a marathon and I want you to do it with me like that's a completely different situation because it's like hey I'm going to go side by side with you we're going to go through with a common goal of achieving something. I think that's why mountain men has some of the success that it has in terms of building long-term relationships with guys, because we're working shoulder to shoulder towards a common goal. And I think that's where you start to see some of these God friend relationships, these brotherhood relationships that are are marching in that direction. But from a culture standpoint, culture, I'm kind of getting to the point where I just don't trust culture anymore because the older I get, I feel like culture gets further and further away from logic and the things that I am like my foundations and, and kind of faith. And, uh, you know, the Bible even talks about it, it says, you know, be not uh, conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, and, and for us here on earth, you know, we're, we're not eternally built to be here. We're, we're eternally built for something else. And so if we're constantly adapting to culture, we're being conformed and that's not, that's not what God had for us. We need to, in, you know, in situations, be that city on a hill. We need to be those people that people come to for help and say, Hey, something's different about you. Some in a good way, something's different. Like you, I see stability in your life. I see, um, I see hope in, in our relationship or in your relationships that maybe I can have a relationship like that with my, my, with my wife, with my kids, with my, my friends, with my in-laws, you know, whatever that may be. So from a culture standpoint, we need to kind of separate what culture says versus what the Bible says and what God says. And I think that's where Seth was kind of pulling out some of those quotes to say, here's what culture says. Here's kind of where we're being put from a male leadership standpoint that we're culture's telling us that we got to lead alone. And the reality is that is that we're not equipped to lead alone. We need that army. We need those people around us that are going to encourage us as much as I want to be the guy on the top of the mountain, as much as I want to be the president of the United States or the, the lead general in an army or the leader of whatever it may be. The, the challenge with it, with that position is it's very lonely up there. And when you're in that position and you're going through that adversity and you have that struggle, there's not a lot of people that can relate to that. So that's where you need to look towards mentors. That's where you need to look to brothers. That's where you need to invest in those relationships so that when you are in those situations where you feel alone, you're not vulnerable, you're not trying to then cope. Uh, We talk a lot about coping on this podcast because I believe that coping is a natural response to you trying to do something that you're ill-equipped to do. And so you're trying to escape that responsibility or you're trying to escape uh, the task that's in front of you for a brief period of time, you're procrastinating from it. And that, that, that coping becomes a dependency. Like I, in order for me to handle the things that I'm doing, I have to do this, I have to do that. And so that's again, not 
a healthy relationship that we want to have. We want to have the kind of relationship that we are walking side by side with somebody and they're challenging us and they're reminding us, hey, you know, if God's for us, who can be against us? Uh, Seth talked about, you know, iron sharpens iron. To me, that Every time I hear that now, just from like a men's ministry standpoint, that feels cliche, but it's it still remains true. Just because you hear it a lot doesn't mean that it's no longer relevant. It just means that it's a principle. It's a truth. And so I have to even remind myself of that, that when we're in these situations of adversity, when we're in these situations where we feel alone and we're uh, thinking, well, this is just naturally what it should be. Like I should naturally be the person that just puts everybody on my shoulders, you know, bootstraps myself and I get through this thing. Can you do it? Yes. Are you equipped to do it? Probably not. You're going to get burned out. You're going to be worn out. And ultimately you're going to probably end up trying to lean into other things to get you through that. And that's not the kind of situation or relationship that we want to have. So all that to say, come from the point that you had, I, I think you're going in that direct direction. Uh, and ultimately, I think what you're you're also saying is like, where's the balance in this? Where's the balance in the relationship from, I don't want to be the needy guy. I don't want to be the parasite friend. But at the same time, I want to, I want to build a relationship. And to do that, there has to be a vulnerability there. There has to be a situation where I let people into my world and see my scars, see, you know, the, the, the messy room and uh, the, the unorganized version of myself, because now I'm relatable. Now I'm a human just struggling just as much as you are. And for me, if I'm in a situation where I have somebody like a match trader who I really look up to and I know is just, you know, crushing it out there in the, in the business world. And then I find out that Matt was sweating bullets during the pandemic and, you know, he was, he, he's had some issues kind of going through all that stuff, but you know, here's what he did. Here's what he leaned into. Here's the people he talked to and that's how he got through it. Well, that for me is like, well, I can do that. Now I can I, now I can walk through some adversity because I know Matt was able to do it. And it wasn't just Matt doing it by himself. Uh, it was Matt doing it through help. Um, I think we've talked about the imposter syndrome on this podcast before, but the imposter yeah. syndrome perfectly oh, yeah. applies to this because if we we have the imposter syndrome because we don't have closeness in our relationships we don't have that proximity to that person that we look up to or that we, we have a relationship with and we just assume because they're that person they were able to get through it that's i've never seen that to be the case i've talked to billionaires and <laughs> the billionaires that i talk to they rely on god way more than i would have ever thought they did i would have thought they would just say you know yeah we just put the company on our shoulders and we just went no, there was a lot of prayer. There was a lot of uh, wise counsel. There was a lot of mentors pouring into their lives. Uh, there was a lot of everything you can think of other than them just saying, hey, we're just going to make a gutsy decision and, and, and figure this out. So I think I tied it together for you, but uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we're getting a little bit closer to kind of what you were talking about. No, that was good. I mean, you made a bunch of points I didn't make and kind of tied that in and brought that about that home really well. It's really both sides. You said it really well in the sense of balance. You know, there's a balance of friendships and the, there's a balance of interactions. And, you know, it's, that's why it's just not easy. Life's not easy. It's not made to be easy. The best thing, the greatest picture I just heard was that we're not built. We're not eternally built for something that many times culture is pushing mm -hmm. us to do. So, that takes some humility so it does for me <laughs> to go to God and be like, you know what, Lord, this is, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about worship for 
years. You know, what's the point? Because I just take worship point face value at face value. I wonder, like, is it just we're having to feed God's ego? We're just having to like pump him up. Like, is that what this whole thing's about? That feels a little bit contrary to what the nature of God I've seen is. And even though, listen, he deserves it. Like there's not, it's not a question of whether we should. It's like, why, why does he need it? And then, then you realize, well, me worshiping is what I'm designed to do in the sense of like, it connects me to where I'm supposed to be. So anyway, that's just a sidebar thought. I thought of with that, that we are fed a lie from the beginning of, you know, I'm having a kid in two weeks and he will be zero. We were talking to my son's, my other three sons uh, this morning at breakfast, and we're like, you know, how old will Charlie be? And we're like, well, he'll be one. They were like, well, how old will you be at Christmas? We're like, well, he'll be two months. And they're like, well, how many years is that? And it's funny to think about, well, actually, he's zero years, two months, you know? And so as, you're, as we were thinking about that, I was thinking, man, he's going to come into this world, and then he's going to spend from zero till on, he constantly is given this lie that he is equipped to be a godlike figure in his own life. And that is 100% false. He's not equipped with that at all. So then we have to relearn this stuff that I'm actually equipped fully to be connected with both God and people. That That's the actual restful place, most useful, most efficient, most impacting place I can be. It's connected to God, my father, my creator, and connected to others around me. Men and women, men in this case with a brotherhood in that sense, that that is my actual ideal place. It's not what you were just talking about, putting the company on my shoulders or somehow holding it all alone. That's actually not my ideal place. That's not who I am. That's a tough, that's a tough rethinking to do. It's a tough rewiring to pull off. And it, only by the power of God can you do it. Well, when you're talking about kids, I, I think that's where you see that we're naturally selfish. Like we just, we, we want others to kind of, you know, feed us that we want others to take care of us. We want, uh, we want our way, you know, what's the, one of the first words that kids learn? It's, no, <laughs> I don't want that. Nope. Uh, I want what I want. And so I think that, you know, that's, that's, that's the human nature that we have. That's the human element of it. And then it's our, as we kind of grow closer to God and, and learn about some of the just amazing things that he's done for us, just the love that he projects to us and, and what he's done that we can't help but worship. I think that you actually talked about uh, digging into the thought process of worship. And I think that that's a great question to have uh, because I, I think that those are questions that we need to ask ourselves. Like, I think that sometimes people get into uh, a situation where they've just gone to church their whole life because it's what they've done. Um, it's what their parents did. And they, they, they're not in a situation where they've gone deep enough to say, you know what, hey, God, why, why did you create me? Why, why well, this whole worship thing, like what's it all about? And I think that there's going to be some situations where that's a discovery that is going to take years for you to understand. And there might be other things where you're just like, got it. Like that makes a ton of sense. Like you're holy. And that's just, there's, there's no other way to describe it. Like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm at a place where I am just overwhelmed with your goodness and I can't help but worship. And I think that as you, as you realize through your entire walk, uh, through your entire life, you see just the nature of God in everything that you do, man, it, it makes a huge difference. 
Anyway, I, I think all those things kind of tie together in terms of like understanding your relationship with God and understanding God just as your God. Like there's just going to be times where we're in situations where like we're just as created beings trying to understand our creator. I, I just don't think we have the capacity to do that. And that feels like a cop out in some capacity and the in other capacities. I feel like it explains it thoroughly. So it's just kind of walking through that entire uh, you know, relationship with God and, and learning and understanding that. But, you know, when we're talking about going back to what Seth was talking about, when we're talking about just the the need for that godly relation, obviously we need that vertical relationship with God, but we also need that, that horizontal relationship with others. Um, Seth said that God relationships are a necessity, not a luxury. And I think that that point was something that really hit home uh, for me that it's not it's not a situation where we can just, Hey, we're going to go to church on Sunday. We're going to, you know, spend time with God, but we can complete, especially in the world we live today. Like I can avoid a lot of relationship. Uh, I can, I can bypass people by just hopping in my car and driving and I can do self checkout and I can do drive through and I can have stuff delivered to my house and I can never interact with people. And I think if we learned anything from the last year and a half, uh, it's that we do need relationship and we do need people. And I think the scariest thing that uh, that COVID has taught us is that we don't do well by ourselves. We don't do well without that relationship. And, uh, you know, thinking of like my son, I got two sons. My youngest son, he's a very outgoing social person. And like his entire demeanor changed his, I would say like he felt a little hopeless at times. And it like, we got him on some video calls with friends and he just lit right back up again because it recharged him. He needed that. And I think that's how we are. I, I think we need those God relationships, uh, not just be, not just as a like break in case of emergency type of situation, but just like an everyday life situation. And, you know, as he kind of got into his points, I mean, really, he, he was saying we can't afford to not have somebody in our corner because we were not cre created to be in isolation. Uh, and, and we've learned that. But what I really want to jump into, and I, I thought it was great that he kind of built it with this, with the, uh, it was like First Chronicles 27, I want to say like 34 or 32 or something like that. It says, uh, all the people in David's administration were listed. But Ahithophel was counselor to the king. Ahishiah the archite was the king's companion and friend. And I think that just looking at that little nugget in there, that little, little, little moment that, you know, as the Bible was being written, that was included. And why was that in included? Was that included for a purpose? Like, you know, like what, what Seth was talking about, or was it just an afterthought? I'm going to side with Seth and say that I think that was included on purpose because uh, you need to have that friendship. Um, he talked about it in the, in the sense of intimacy uh, and, and a closeness to that friend. And like, you know, when I heard that, I, I kind of pulled back a little bit. I'm like, eh, intimacy. Like, I don't know. Is that the kind of relationship that like, it's like, is there a better word for that? I'm not sure. But like true intimacy is like <laughs> yeah, is. ultimate closeness. And, but I, I think in the terms of like having access, like having access to speak into my life. I mean, he gave the example of, uh, you know, having a friend that can just walk into the room and say like, what are you thinking? Like, why, why are you going, why? why are you sulking? Or this is not you. From an encouragement standpoint, somebody who knows me is going to know when I'm down. They're going to know when I'm in a situation where I'm frustrated or I'm stressed. And I, 
you know, I might not think that I'm that way, but they can start, they can see it. Like my body language is, is com- communicating that it's shouting that, uh, we need to have that kind of friend that can step up and say, Hey, something's not right here. Let's, let's figure it out. And you have to have that closeness to know that about a person. Uh, you think about looking at football again, there's when, when people come to two different teams, like a quarterback and a wide receiver, they're not in sync yet. It takes time. It takes time to know like, this is where this is going to go. And this is what's going to happen. That happens with a closeness. And so, man, there was a, there was a lot there, but I, I think that for me, all of these things tie to brotherhood and all of these things tie into stuff that, you know, hopefully become valuable to you, uh, the listener to, to me and, and to you, Matt. Yeah. So you hit on something earlier and then the intimacy or the closeness of friend, you know, runs right alongside this. And if there's one message that took me a while to pick up from the Holy spirit that I would want all men, particularly in America to hear is that it's this idea of ongoing nourishment. You know, when we hear nourishment, we think of food and even that, I don't know that we do great with that's a base level deal. Most of us, if I had to make an assessment are on these, like eat kind of poorly for a little while till I need to look good. And then I kind of do things about it or until I get hurt or until I realize how fat I am or until I to all those things. And then I kind of, fix it for a little while and then I go back to doing what I was doing, you know, poor eating habits. And then you get a diagnosis in your forties or fifties and all of a sudden now it's got to be like drastic change. Now I've got to do these major things to fix things. I have to keep my lifestyle a certain way. And But that happens in our social life. It happens in our spiritual life. It happens in our soul. And so friendships like, what keeps coming to my mind when you're talking about intimacy, all these different things, like Pastor Seth did a great job of, of painting the picture of this guy who was the king's friend. You know, if it's mentioned in the Bible, particularly if it's not mentioned elsewhere, it's in there for a reason. And the picture he painted was decided that he just had a guy around him that was just around him and could pick up on the times when the king was down, when the king was up. Like, I don't, maybe it's just me. I think it's, a lot of men, but I can position myself just about all day long. I can position myself in the right way to look strong. Like, because I'm the leader at my business, because, you know, if I go to even a brotherhood, if I go to there, I can position myself to look strong. I have to practice and make sure I'm not putting on a front, putting on a mask. You've talked so much about that very well. You know, so I've got to have people around me that I'm just friends with that are around me when I'm not on. And I'm not under the pressure to be on, you know, for me, that's, you know, I'll go to lunch with somebody in the middle of the business day. That's a buddy of mine. It's just hanging out, just connecting. It's not, it's not necessarily business. It's not necessarily accomplishment or task oriented. Um, it's just hanging out. Like I have to be in a regular practice of doing that. Cause if not all my appointments, even if they're with friends will be situations where I'm on. There'll be situations where we're trying to accomplish something. I'm, you know, I'm playing my role. I'm putting in my input, my advice. And I have learned a tremendous amount about just being around people in a proximity, like close proximity. So they just identify things. They just, you know, my, my brother-in-law Mark's like this now, like we're good friends now. So like he just identifies, Hey man, what's the deal? You're not the same cat. You usually are like, what's going on? Well, then now's my moment. Now I've got to be like, all right, well, you know what? Work sucked today. 
I said it on podcast. <laughs> um, you know, what? it was terrible. Like, things are going bad. Like, I'm in a hole, and I'm trying to get out of said hole. Like, those are the kind of friends that I did not have in my 20s. All of my friends were, it was all, I was always on when I'm always around them. Like, because I was only around them in specific situations that I chose on terms that I chose. And I had to start practicing as I got older, just being around people. Just, so, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I'm the, you know, my personality, you know, I'm a bit of an introvert, so I'm not like on the go, just, to, it, it's not my first choice to just be hanging out with somebody for no specific purpose. But if there are other guys out there like that, you're going to have to practice just being around people with no trying, without accomplishing something, just so you can get guys in close proximity so they can connect with you when things aren't going well. And when things are going well, but it's not based on just, man, let's laser beam this agenda point and accomplish it. That's how you get to that point of intimacy that Pastor talked about, where like they just kind of know you and they just kind of pick up. You know, there's a buddy I call on a regular basis and, you know, he has known me long enough. He can ask, we just have a conversation. You know, it's those guys that you have a conversation that's always going. Like the moment you get back together, it doesn't make it be a day, a month, a year, same exact conversation. You just pick it right back up. Those are the guys you got to have in your life that know your stuff. That is what builds that connectivity around you. That w- So here's the deal. Like what I'm trying to point out is you want, I want to say like the podcaster in me wants to say when crisis hits, but that's not what I'm talking about. It, it keeps crisis from hitting. Not that bad things don't happen. But because there's an ongoing health, like I started this whole rant with the idea of we take food and we eat poorly. And then when we're 50, we get a diagnosis and now we have to fix it all. It's crisis mode. Or if we had just eaten well the whole time, it's likely we would have not run into the same crisis. Maybe we would have. I get it. There are people that eat well all the time and then they have issues. But most people don't. Most people who eat healthy throughout their life don't end up with major artery clottage, you know, clogging. So the same thing happens in your social life, in your connected life with other guys. Like if you build up an ongoing level of community, you fall into less personal crises, less relational crises because of the ongoing health that you have in your life. That's what we've got to pick up. That's what even brotherhood having once a month breakfast is. How do you say that for Have you ever tried to figure out how to say breakfast? It's breakfasts. Say it, try it. Or, or just, just breakfast. Yeah, sounds like you got a list. Breakfast. Yeah, I, I say if you anyway, listen to earlier sorry. versions, I say breakfasts a lot. So, I'm sure there's like linguistic people that are cringing. They probably can't listen to the episodes like more than one time because they're just like this guy's. This guy's not even saying the plural of breakfast right, but it's it's okay. Hey, we're just trying here, man. We're we're we're, we're trying to we're we're trying to yeah, help. We're listening. We're not we're not pros. They totally should have made that word like sheep. You know, it should have just been breakfast is uh, it's plural, singular, all of it. Exactly. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make and segue out of now is this: there's got to be an ongoing connectivity. There's got to be ongoing connection where you're just touching base with people when you're not always on or always accomplishing something. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I think that it's difficult because, and like what we talked about in the beginning, it's countercultural for us to do that. Like it's, 
for, for me, like, I, I, I don't think I, Hey, I need to call so-and-so today. Like, it's something that's like, Hey man, we need to get lunch. We need to get breakfast. Like let's spend some time because they're just trying to survive too. Like you think about yeah. somebody who's running a business or in any kind of leadership role in a business that has kids that is married, that has bills and has in-laws, you combine all those things together. <laughs> like you're just trying to survive at that point. Like, Hey, like, I need to not yep. screw up any of this. I got to pay my bills on time. I got to make sure that my kids aren't bleeding and I got to make sure that my wife still loves me and I still love her. Like there's just so much going on that I'm not thinking to myself, oh, and I need to call Matt. I got to I gotta call Matt and check in and see how he's doing. Like that's, I, I think that's where we get the yeah. cultural, like 80% of people don't care and 20% of people are glad that you have those problems. I think that's why we think that way because yeah. we're so so focused on surviving. And I don't think that's what God called us to do. I think God called us to thrive, even in times of adversity, even in times of just overall life. Like we, we are light and, and salt. And I, I, I think that, you know, if we're having those relationships and, and we're able to be that for those people, I think that that's what hopefully will draw people to us. But then when you get that closeness and that intimacy and that relationship, that's when you start to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and say, you know what, I, man, I, I think Seth even said, he's like, I didn't even sleep in the, sleep in the same bed as my wife last night. Like, that's the example. It's like, that yeah, it's like, one. like, I, yeah, I screwed up. That. Like, she's mad at me. And, that, and, and, you know, having the ability to have that conversation with somebody and for somebody to say, you know what, I've had that happen too. Uh, and it sucks. Like, and, and I don't, yeah. I don't want to do that again, but I also don't like being wrong. And I might have to admit that I was wrong in this situation. I don't want to do that either. And part of that is just saying, Hey, let's get our pride out of the way. Your relationship, your marriage is worth more than that. It's worth, worth more than this battle. Uh, and so, you know, here's what I did in that situation. You know, I apologized. I, I said I was wrong or, um, I've also learned that sometimes you can be right and wrong at the same time. Uh, Isn't that so, amazing? Like, how did we pull that off? Oh, I, I know how we pulled it off, but <laughs> it's it's the t it's the tone or the presentation. Know. Like, you know, you can be right, but how you mm -hmm. communicate that you were right all along does not go over well. Uh, and I'm sure somebody's getting punched in the arm because they they might be listening to this in the car. But re regardless of of that situation, like having you know, that God friend that's there that you have permission to be a flawed human with and they have a permission to be a flawed human. I'm going to go out and say, I'm going to make a, an Evan confession here. Uh, I suck at being uh, the kind of friend that gives you permission to be a flawed friend. <laughs> that's horrible. It's horrible to say. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I just, I'm like, man, you should have this together. Come on, suck it up. Let's go. But I think there's sometimes that you know, you need to be like, Hey man, it's okay. Like we all screw up. Like we're, we're there. And, uh, I've said it before. It's like, man, you figure that out. Once you figure that out, come back. I'll let you like, we'll pick up right where we left off, but you need to figure these things out. I need to be better at walking through the, the challenge with you. And I, I recognize that, you know, there's been people that have walked through stuff with me, maybe not as close as I would have liked. And I think part of that is because I haven't had that closeness and that, that willingness to walk through some of that stuff with other people. I think that maybe in, in my opinion, it's harder to be the person walking through somebody else's mess than it is to have somebody walk through my mess with me. And I, I think that it's just, it's one of those things where I get frustrated because I'm like, I see the, I see the solution. I, I know what you got to do. You just got to do it. And they're like, man, you have no idea. Like just doing that 
is going is is so difficult for me and i'm just like but that's the solution that's the problem let's go and uh that's it's not always that simple you know some things take time some some things like you know you have to you have to have certain conversations with certain people or you need to you just got to walk through it sometimes sometimes you just got to own the mistake and that in in those situations it sucks and you're you're paying the price uh but ultimately you know that that's part of this process that's part of this healing process to get through this or this is part of that rebuilding process i i don't like being you know at rock bottom but the nice thing about being rock bottom is you can't go any lower. So it's time to start building. It's time to start going. I would much rather start building with a friend. I'd much rather start building with that, that God-centered relationship friend that can work through it with me because guess what? It's going to accelerate that process. It's going to, I'm going to be encouraged through it. I'm going to see the goodness of God through that. I'm going to see God's love through that. Uh, and that's going to bring me closer in my relationship to him just about uh, more than anything else. And I think that you know, when we think about the Great Commission, we think about, you know, our role as brothers, man, to be there and, and be in a situation where I can point somebody to Christ in their adversity, that's what we're here to do. I mean, that's that's a big part of it. I need to get better at it. I recognize it. So if I got friends that are listening that know that I suck at that, I 100% admit that. But at the same time, uh, you know, these, this is why we have these conversations. This is why we have brotherhood is to be reminded of those things and to see the value in them so that when we are in those situations, we have that patience, we have that willingness to help. And we have that knowledge knowing that this is an investment in this person because they're worth that kind of God-centered relationship. Yeah, that's good. That's real good. The ongoing connection takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of, you know, you're not going to get it right on the first try. You're not going to, you know, those relationships aren't going to facilitate exactly like you hope and think in your head. They're going to come together. And that's why it's an ongoing deal. I mean, that's why you got to continually put yourself in a situation like me. I got to continually put myself in situations where I'm just connecting with guys. I'm able to uh, be confident about the stuff I've dealt with and be upfront about it. And then even what I am dealing with. You know, I, God has done a lot of me security wise over the last several years and just being able to say, Hey, I don't have it all right. Things aren't going well right now. They'll be at back up again. You know, I no doubt the Holy Spirit will work through me and I will figure this out. He'll teach me and I'll be obedient and it's going to work out great. But right now, you know, it's just not now it actually is going well right now, but <laughs> from a conversational standpoint, um, Things are pretty good, man. Just want to let you know, things are pretty good. Uh, Yeah, things are getting better. It's kind (laughs) of nice, you know. It's uh, it feels good again. Everything's coming back together, and business is starting supposed to run like it's supposed to, rather than me drowning all the time. Um, So, anyway, I mean, that's uh, what did you else did you? Okay, so there was something that I thought of that I wanted to point out. It's something we ran along maybe early on in our first conversations, and it's. It's the two ideas of developing friendships and just being around people and then a purposeful purposeful pursuit of friendships. I've had to, I I think I said a long time ago, I did not have a lot of success with purposeful pursuit of friendships. Felt like it just never worked out. The whole get a mentor thing, um, 
the whole like even finding people to pour into like none of that that I've set out very little of it that I've set out on purpose actually worked out the majority of mentors or people I've poured into or you know people on my same level type friendships have happened by a nature of me constantly putting myself in that situation but I think you come and check me on if I'm wrong on this I think you come from an environment and experience where you've there have been some purposeful pursuit either people pursuing you purposefully or maybe you pursuing other mentors you mentioned billionaires earlier I've never met a billionaire a couple millionaires have come across my way but the bit the big letter B not so much <laughs> that's a that's real right there um I mean, what are your thoughts on purposely pursuing people? How do you, how does that properly, how do you properly navigate that? How do you look at the levels? Okay. So here's, I think what I'm trying to get to, how do you present yourself as the same level when you're pursuing that friendship? If you are, I mean, I'm, I'm lost. I, I'm just trying to throw it in your court because I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that purposeful pursuit. I have to just like drop myself in a big building with a lot of people and kind of hope it all works mm -hmm. out. <laughs> um, but you seem to have a little bit different angle, a little bit different skill at that. So, I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, you want me to give away my secrets? I like, I, I'm a little. Yeah, I do. That, that's uh... what I'm asking for. I'm asking for your secret. Well, I, I don't know that there is a secret to it. I, I will say this. There's there's definitely times that I find myself in situations where, you know, I'm definitely not the most important person in the room and I try to not be in those situations. Um, but at the same time, I do recognize that there are times that I need to be in a room just to help other people. So I, I think part of that is is just kind of taking a moment and recognizing the opportunity, recognizing the situation and then responding accordingly. Am I the person that's going to be giving in this situation or am I the person that's going to be getting in this situation? When I'm around what I would call like a potential mentor or somebody that uh, I think is really going to be beneficial for me in my life, I, I think part of the pursuit is um, just doing your due diligence of knowing who they are and just, if anything, uh, you know, being in that situation to ask them insightful questions. I think that uh, when, when we have like a mentor-mentee relationship, even before it becomes that, I don't think somebody is going to be intrigued to have a conversation with you if you're just asking them surface level questions. And so for me, I've always naturally wanted to go a step deeper. I've always wanted to have a conversation with somebody that really gets them thinking, but also communicates to them that I've done my research. I've done my, um, uh, my homework, if you will, to really understand what they're passionate about and, uh, you know, where they've either thrived or, or had some success because people love talking about themselves, even, even good people. Uh, so if you kind of go in and be like, man, uh, you know, I, I realized that in X, Y, Z circumstances, this happened, uh, you know, walk me through, walk me through the highs and lows of that. Like what, what are some things that like, you know, from a stress standpoint, how do you, how do you walk through that and not be stressed? Or how do you walk through that and recognize that the decision that you make impacts the, the, all of these people? How do you find balance in that? How do you justify your decision doing that? Not in a like got you kind of way, but in a, like, I recognize that this was probably a big moment for you. And I think I can learn something from that. And I think a lot of times you'll, you'll ultimately get to a point where you have a really deep and insightful conversation with them. 
uh, that they're they're naturally going to want to continue that conversation because they're they're actually enjoying it. I found that a lot of people in, in in successful roles or what we would deem successful from a money standpoint or whatever else, they've gotten to the the point in life where they want to give back, but they don't have the time or capacity to always do so. So they're going to be a little bit picky with the people that they give back to, not in a bad way, just because like they just they can't they can't help people out. But if you're in a situation where whether it be uh, an organization that you're volunteering with or something you're like you're trying to give back through like I did a, a different podcast and that the whole message of that podcast was kind of stepping back and saying, all right, if I'm technically a millennial and millennials have a, a, a stigma that comes with them, I want to redefine that. And, and here's how I think we can do that. And so it was an opportunity for them to speak directly to that audience and for them to speak to that next generation, man, that they were all about that. So I I think part of that is just, you know, being respectful of their time, understanding the situation. They want to come alongside people that are doing stuff. So in some cases you need to be doing something and you need to be like, if you're a business owner, like, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to grow my business to the next level. And this is what I think it's going to take. You know, how do I do that? Here's what I've done. People like to come alongside people in motion as opposed to somebody who's just sitting there saying, well, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. You might get some people that'll engage with that. But if they see that you're taking the steps, they see that you're marching towards something, they're going to they're gonna walk through that with you. Uh, and, and I think that they're, they'll be willing to help. Um, I, I'll say this, and, and this is, so this is a, <laughs> this is a, just an interview type thing that I think will really help people. If you watch, have you ever watched the YouTube show, hot ones where they eat like the spicy wings all the way. There's like 10 different levels of spicy wings and he interviews guys. One time. So that guy, uh, if you listen to his questions, like every person that's on that show, uh, and there's, it's explicit that people swear because it's like really, really hot peppers. So I'm just giving you that warning right now. But if you listen to the interviewer's questions, like the amount of research that he's done, those people love, I mean, they will give very, very insightful answers because they know that he's done the research. He cares about them as a guest, as opposed to this, just another person on the press junket that I'm going to talk to. I, I think you can do that same thing with a potential mentor or somebody that you look up to reference something. if they've written a book, read their book. If they, you know, have, have spoken at different things in the past, listen, go back and listen to those. And then you can ask them some questions about that. Um, you know, I interviewed one person one time and, and she uh, is a very high up. Well, she's like the owner, owner, operator, uh, president of her company. And she does not have her org chart is not a traditional, you know, trickle down org chart. It She actually includes the customer in the org chart. So that for me was like, man, that's a, I want to know more about this. This is something that's really intriguing. So I knew that she had talked about that in the past. I asked her a question about that. We had a great conversation. And so she's not a mentor to me because I haven't really overly pursued that one. But man, it was such a fun conversation that I felt that that was, that was, that was one thing that like we had a really good conversation because I asked an insightful question and then look for ways that you can serve them. You know, a buddy of mine, he, he knows that for the most part, higher up people are tied to organizations, go volunteer at those organizations, go, you know, give to those organizations, um, you know, spend your time, spend your effort, uh, supporting the things that they're passionate about and, and they'll get behind that too. So, uh, there's a lot there. Uh, and some of us just be a, you know, just be humble and be vulnerable and be willing to listen. Uh, you know, take take the moment and, and really be in the moment of that time 
and sometimes that that alone will do it but you have to be bold you have to be willing to you know to to step out there they're not going to just walk up to you and be like hey matt schrader i heard a lot about you you know i want to hear all about you uh you know directly from you it's probably not going to happen so you're going to have to pursue them and, and and go outside of your comfort zone to pursue that relationship to hear from them spend time with them and uh yeah, I think that's where a lot of that stuff comes from. So does that answer your question? Yeah, man, that's great. That's great insight. Thanks for sharing that with us. That's huge. One of the challenges I think people have with looking for friends on purpose is getting rid of that awkwardness or get it. It's, it's not getting rid of it. It's getting over the fact that it's not awkward. Just go. If you're seeking out somebody, there's really nothing wrong with that. I think people have this intimidation feel of like, well, you know, one, they probably judge themselves. That'd be my first go-to is like, well, am I even worthy of said individual's time? And then after that, they judge the person. Well, would this person even want to do it? And by the time you go through all that analysis, you've lost your confidence. When taking a real interest in somebody you know, and doing the research and looking at those things, that's really going after them from a professional perspective. And I can tell you, it works from a social perspective. Um, Not the exact same, you know, not everybody you meet from a just regular relational deal. um, It has written a book or has a podcast or has something that you can actually go look at professionally. You know, you're not going to ask them for their resume, but If we're talking about building a brotherhood, building friendships when you don't need it so that when you do need it, it's there. Sometimes it's just showing interest in other people. Here's what I've had to come to grips with myself is naturally, I think you even said this earlier, naturally we are selfish. So naturally I'm focused on me. When I get outside of me and start focusing on somebody else, that's when the best friendships are developed. And it's not that anybody's sitting there like, oh, you know, like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast, just me, 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 me. That's not how we're thinking. So if you're if you're trying to find that, it's not going to happen. It's in these subtle subconscious ways where like when we meet something, all we do is talk about ourselves and talk about what we're interested in and then stop. I can't, I can't tell you, Evan, how many conversations I have where I start talking to people and they just go on and on about their stuff. And then the, what, what should happen from an unselfish standpoint is volley that thing back, volley that thing, that conversation back to an interesting question about that person, not the standard, how's your day, get through all that stuff, and then volley back with something specific about what they just said. Now, that requires some different things. you got to listen to what they said. You can't be thinking of how you're going to respond. you got to care about what they're saying because you got to start connecting it to things inside of uh, your own life. I think that's where, like, when I hear you talk about from a professional standpoint, People get hung up on that because they're looking at themselves and you're just giving us a great roadmap to not a great roadmap to unselfishness. So, yeah, I mean, totally makes sense. That's great stuff, man. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I I think you're tapping into two important things uh, here. One is uh, like you said, when you're listening, you got to care about what other people are saying. If if you're just going to ask those questions and not care, I guarantee you, you're not going to have beyond surface level relationships with people. So take time, listen, be willing to allow that person to talk and then actively engage in that. If if you're just kind of making small talk, which we all do, that's great. Uh, you're, you're just not going to have, uh, you're not going to have the kind of relationship that you're pursuing with it. So be willing to listen, be willing to, you know, walk 
side by side with people as they they are going and navigating their life. And the other thing too is, man, I I think you can pick up on some of the cues. Like if if they're you know look at their body language. Like are they uh, are they kind of down? Like if they're not if they're not doing too good, ask. Don't just say, man, how are you doing? Like how are you really doing? Like like kind of dig a little bit deeper and like, hey, I noticed this. Like. And I, I think people will start to open up when they believe that you care. But if they're just like, man, hey, hey how's your day going? You're probably going to say everything's great. And then if you just kind of move on from that and don't press any further, you, you're not going to dig any deeper into the actual meat of the conversation. So just just be a little bit more aware. And I, I think that, you know, to me, sometimes that feels like common sense, but I think we need to be reminded of it because I think it's just as important. The other thing I want to kind of tie back to what, what Seth was talking about is that these are all two-way relationships. So be willing to be vulnerable. And then I would, I would also say that if you are vulnerable and you're not getting vulnerability back, then maybe that's not the person. Like maybe you're just not there yet in your relationship or in that friendship. But, you know, if you start to see people reciprocate a little bit, you're like, man, this, okay, this, this relationship's going a little bit deeper. This is awesome. Like, this is something that I can start to pursue a little bit more. Don't, don't dump it all on them. Don't be like, uh, you know, my wife's leaving me. I'm thinking about suicide and I think my kids hate me. Like if you jump, dump that all in like one, one conversation, that might be a little too much, but I think you guys can kind of ease into it a little bit and, uh, and, and just say, Hey, you know, Hey, like, you know, I'm dealing with this at home. What do you, you know, have you ever dealt with that before? Like, you know, or, Hey man, I really, could you really just pray for me right now? Like I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm struggling in some stuff and I, you know, I need, I need somebody that just can kind of be there that I can bounce ideas off of. I think a lot of guys will be like, yeah, absolutely. Like I'm, I'm there. Uh, I want to help you. I want to walk through that with you. And so it's, you know, it feels daunting. It feels intimidating, but, but I think, um, if you're willing to be vulnerable willing to, to, uh, you know, walk in humility in some of those relationships and care, like truly care about other people. I think that's where you're going to see uh, a lot of those God centered relationships start to uh, develop and it's going to take time. It's, it's not going to happen right, right away. Uh, you know, I'd say right now, I, I, I don't think I have a ton. Uh, you know, Seth was saying he has like four to five, you know, if you get one, man, that's, that's a, that's a, that's something to celebrate. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. We tend to, form our perspective of what friendship looks like with what we think high school is supposed to look like. At least this is what I think. Like, because every TV show you watch, every movie you watch, and then when you're actually in school, whether you were had a lot of friends or not, you have access to a lot of friends. So that just changes. You know, when you get out of, you know, it's just not that world. Even if you live in a big corporate thing. Most people are individual. Most people are focused on what they're doing. So a few friends that are good, solid friends, that's a huge accomplishment. Pour into those. Try to keep them lasting. You know, don't be, um, you know, the friendships I've developed, there's been times where that other person didn't seem too interested. And they mm -hmm. were. They just had things going on in their life. And likewise, when I look at it from a sober standpoint, there are times when I probably didn't seem too interested either. And it's because I had things I that were going on in my life that I had to deal with. So that is the right lens to look through. A few friends that are good, solid. That was what needs to be your inner circle brotherhood that you develop, nourish, continually continue to uh, invest in for the future. Yeah, like Seth said, he said God relationships are a necessity, not a luxury. And I think that if you put that at the top of your priority list and you're actively pursuing that, don't get discouraged. Don't give up, you know. Just keep pursuing it because 
you ha- you need that in your life. You need that in your walk. Just as much as you need somebody that's there, that's walking through it to encourage you, uh, maybe when things aren't going so great, uh, you know, kind of wrapping this up a little bit, he talked about having somebody that can see the potential in you and call that out of you as well. And I think that that's something that, you know, are you looking for that in your friends? Like, are, are you having conversations with your friends saying, hey, I see more in you. I, I think you have the potential to do this. I believe in you. Like, are you saying those things? You might be, you might be thinking them. You, you might think, man, you know, I, I think Matt's doing awesome. But are you actually telling him? And I think that if you have those conversations and not just take it for granted that just like, hey, you know, well, Matt probably knows he's doing pretty well. I don't need to say anything. Matt needs to hear it. Matt, I think you're doing awesome, man. I'm, I'm really proud of you for stepping up, even through COVID, even through all the challenges and adversity that Thanks. you face for digging in. And, uh, and making that happen. Uh, you know, I can hear, I can hear you smiling. Like I can tell, like I can tell that, that, that builds you up and that brings you life. If I'm doing that for you, I would hope that at some point that would be reciprocated, but regardless, even if it's not, I think that people need that. And I think that that's the kind of friend that, uh, is a, uh, is a God relationship. And that's the kind of, uh, I would hope, like if we're truly emulating Christ and we're, and we're trying to be more like Christ, I, I would say that that's, that's who Christ is. And that's, that's part of our walk. That's good. So good, Evan. Well, Matt, I, I think uh, I think we've kind of exhausted the bulk of the, the topic here. We, we talked a little bit longer than I thought we would, which is awesome. But I, I, man, I tell you what, w- when you just think about the grand scheme of things of, you know, Seth's message and brotherhood as as a capital B, and then ultimately the little brotherhood that you, you're creating in your own uh, circle of life. I, I think that this just ties in perfectly to everything that we, we've been reiterating and really I think we just need to be constantly reminded of it. You need to have these kinds of relationships. That's why brotherhood exists. We we want to be that iron sharpens iron uh, type of community. We want to encourage you uh, to have those kinds of relationships and have those kinds of friendships because it, it is countercultural. It goes against what we think uh, we need. We we think we should be that lone uh, wolf as opposed to you know having a, a strong pack around us. And so that's that's. That's what I'm working for. So, Matt, my challenge to you is, uh, you know, giving you homework and giving, you know, the listeners homework, be an encouragement to somebody. See if you can see, if you see potential in somebody, uh, tell them about it. Uh, tell them what you see. Encourage them. Help, you know, as you're walking through life and as you're walking through uh, the next couple of weeks before our next Brotherhood Breakfast, uh, take that as a, a personal personal mission to go out there, encourage somebody, invest in those friendships. Uh, and start building your brotherhood, uh, because I think that that is probably one of the most important things that we can possibly do. Brothers, remember, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Mm-hmm.